This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to a new edition of UAP Weekly. I'm Stephen Diener, back with you here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. And after really a uh, quite a first month of 2024 when it comes to a lot of UAP, UFO, alien news, it's time to finish things off with what really became one of the top stories of this first month of the year. And that is the video that came out from Jeremy Corbell that he premiered on the TMZ special, the video of the jellyfish ufo so kind of um ending the month where we started it and that is with this video that became very very famous and the man who actually was there on the ground around the time a little bit after this video was taken was michael sinkowski a uh, veteran marine who was shown this video back in 2018 and when it became public he said wait a minute i've seen that video before and uh he's become very outspoken in this in this issue and in this video and talking about, you know, in his honest opinion, what happened and what this could be. And we're all because we're all trying to figure it out together. Right. It's it's a video unlike any other UAP or UFO sighting that we had seen before, which caused all of the intrigue behind it. What could this thing be that we dubbed the jellyfish UFO, which, by the way, Michael has a different name for it, which you'll hear in this interview. But I was really happy to have him on the show. A really cool perspective, really unique perspective to talk to him. Again, someone who has spoken to News Nation, someone who's spoken to Jeremy Corbell about this video directly because he was there on the ground shortly after this video was taken and has known about it for six years. We just found out about it, you know within the past few weeks as it went public. So really cool to have him on. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview as we do a deep dive into all the possibilities about what this thing could have been in his opinion and all the fallout from it henceforth. So here it is myself and Michael Sinkowski talking about everything having to do with the jellyfish UFO video taken over Iraq. Here you go. Enjoy. Kind enough to join us here on UAP Weekly. Really happy to have you. Thank you, Michael, for taking time to come in here today and, and talk about all this. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, no, of course. So obviously a lot to get to. It's it's a huge subject, a really big story. And you've been, you know, talking to a lot of the big outlets with News Nation and of course personally with Jeremy Corbell and some of the other skeptics. So we'll get to all of that um as we go through here. But I always feel like starting at the beginning is the best place to start. So why don't we go with first kind of just giving people your background, you know, as far as your military history and how you came into the position you found yourself in, um, you know, back in 2018, when you came across this video. 
Sure. Yeah. So I joined the Marines in 2014 and it wasn't until uh, about 2017 is when I got word that I was deploying to Iraq and my, my background. So my, my MOS, my main job in the Marines was I was a um, uh, intelligence specialist. And specifically when I was deploying to Iraq, I was training to be an ITC, which is an ISR tactical controller, mm -hmm. ISR being intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. And, uh, so essentially what my job was is I was working with uh, unmanned drone assets and we would just collect information and, and intelligence for um, our collection plans and whatever else my intel shop needed. Secondary to that, I was trained as a counter UAS Marine. We had a, um, we had a threat of um, our adversaries flying our little quadcopter drones over the base. And uh, sometimes they would drop grenades. It never happened at our base specifically, but it was known to happen. So we had to train for it. And it's a, a serious threat that we had to take seriously. So that's that's kind of what I did in Iraq. And so when I deployed out there initially, I uh, I was one of the uh, the first few to get there from my team. And we, we had gotten there in January of 2018. And I was there for about eight months. And I think I left, left uh, early September. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, when I first got to the base in January, the uh, the Marine that I was turning over with, who I was replacing, had shown me these these videos of what uh, what they called the spaghetti monster. Mm. And I remember across the three videos it was probably about 17 minutes uh, of footage total. And uh, it, it looked a lot like what we're seeing floating around the Internet these days. And it was just, you know, we we had our theories. Nobody could fully explain it. And it was just this, you know, weird thing. And we thought it was kind of cool, you know, kind of kind of like the ghost story that you, you tell your your buddies or like, you know, watch this video. It's kind of kind of cool, but uh, but that was about it. Uh, we'd watch it from time to time, just at, you know, just for fun. And I never thought I would see that video ever again after after leaving the Marine Corps and mm. even leaving that deployment. And then when I when I seen it floating around a few weeks ago, mm. I was like, that's it. Because I, I told a few people about what I had saw. Um, when I'd gotten back, but I never had the video footage to back it up. So everyone probably thought no, I was either lying or, you know, I don't know. People think whatever they want to think. But so, now, you know, a few buddies sent me that video and I was, and they're like, is this what you saw? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're like, I told you I wasn't crazy. Come on now. So yeah. you, you see this going around. And obviously, like you said, you kind of in the moment feel vindicated like, oh, Finally, you know, I can show this to somebody, but also what is aside from that, what is your reaction when you see it? Does it kind of pop back into your head and do you think to yourself, you know what, this was kind of strange. So, you know, I kind of wonder what this was. Yeah, I, I never could figure out, you know, what it was. I, I, I had a few theories myself, but they were always kind of debunked by, you know, one thing or another. I think the, the main theory I subscribed to was the um, for the longest time. Was that it was uh, something on like the housing, like a like a stain on the housing right. that you know that, that's a, in front of the sensor. But seeing it sped up and uh, there's a um, a gif floating around uh, X, I think where it's sped up and you can kind of see it rotating and changing shape a little bit. So that kind of disproves that. And then there's the whole balloon theory, but I feel like they're way too static to be balloons. So I don't know. I, I remember being out. I used to work the night shift when I was in Iraq. And after seeing that video, you know, it, it would cross my mind, you know, what if I just look up and see this eight foot tall, you know, spaghetti monster floating there? Like, how scary would that be? But uh, but yeah, it was just weird. Yeah. And that's funny because 
you know, as you're shown this video, right. And then you go on and you're, you know, doing your thing pretty much, or you're, you're doing your job. And then once it comes back out, how are you, I guess, contacted? How did you end up getting in touch with, with Jeremy Corbell? Is it just because once it went on to TMZ, like it's, it just blew up and then you realized, Oh, I should say something about this because I I saw this when it happened pretty much. Yeah. So I, I, I first jumped in the comments. I think it was news nation that was kind of reporting it. Um, uh, a buddy of mine sent me a video that was on some Instagram thing. Uh, I think it was uh, behind the grid square or beyond the grid square or something like that. It's an Instagram account that kind of tells like, you know, spooky stories of uh, encounters that military personnel have. So that's where I first saw it. And then somebody else sent me another video from news nation. I jumped in the comments because they're making claims of, you know, it was, um, it was recorded by like an advanced weapons drone or something like that. And then that it was, you know, zipping out of the water and, you know, making impossible movements. But that's not what I remembered seeing in the recordings that I had. So when I jumped in the comments, um, I was like, oh, hey, like I was there. That's not necessarily what I saw. So, you know, some of it might be fabricated. But then people were seeing me in the comments like, oh, this dude was was there. And all of a sudden, that's kind of where all the attention started coming in. I uh, the first person that to interview me was uh, a man called Stephen Greenstreet from, I, I believe, the New York Post. And he's the right. first one to, I guess talk about my story and i don't use twitter it was twitter when i was using it back in probably i don't know 2010 and that's the last i used the app so now it's x so i'm I'm, re- I'm trying to get used to this app again but he posted all of his stuff on there so i was reading through some of it um there was a we covered a lot of things in that interview and there's a few things that i felt he didn't quite get 100 percent right so I started just replying to people in the comments of, of that tweet that he put that he first put out and um, just trying to clear things up. And then, you know, everything kind of took off from there. And then I uh, I think that attracted the attention of uh, News Nation. And that's when I did that interview with uh, uh, a guy called Brian Eaton, I think. Yeah. Um, and he he had he knows Jeremy Corbell personally. And I, I had a buddy telling me to reach out to Jeremy. So I did, but I was like, he's never going to you know, look at my, he's a busy guy. He's never going to see my DM. Hmm. But because I did that interview with News Nation, then he knew who, who he was. And he reached out to me and wanted to do a weaponized special about all of this. And that's kind of how all that happened. So I'm wondering for you, right? I mean, this isn't something that you were trying to get involved with, obviously. And you've known about this video for like six years now. So yeah. it wasn't like you've been, you know, screaming at the mountaintops, hey, someone pay attention to me. You just went about your business. But now all of a sudden you find yourself thrust into the middle of this conversation and the UAP discussion can get pretty heated sometimes. I, I know firsthand I've been in the middle of some crazy discussions and been thrust into the fire myself. So you're kind of in the middle of all of it right now. Are, how are you taking it? And are you just taking it in stride? Are you thinking to yourself, I can't wait for people to just stop bothering me or are you somewhere in, in, in the middle? Pretty much in the middle. I definitely didn't think I'd get this much attention. And it hasn't been overwhelming, but it's been, I guess, a lot to keep up with. Um, but I mean, I have a life outside of, you know, all of this. Like I I just got my certificate. I'm a personal trainer now. I'm going to school full time. So like I'm, I'm more focused on that. And then just on the side, you know, I check my X now, my my feed and see, you know, what's going on. And then if I see something that's worth, you know, me saying something, then, then I'll, I'll pop on and, you know, shoot out a tweet or, or whatnot. But I'm trying to find balance with it all. 
I wonder, where did you fall in this discussion? I mean, was it ever something that you were interested in before? You know, just anything casual, you know, maybe you watched X-Files or maybe you watched, you know, any type of sci-fi movie, War of the Worlds or something where that just made you think, gee, I wonder what's going on out there. Are there life on other planets? I've always had an open mind to it. I've always been interested in the topic. I, when, when I first came out with all this, I wanted to take an unbiased approach to it because I wanted to deliver my experience as factually as possible. So I, I can refrain from taking a position, but in the past, I've, you know, I, I've been interested in the topic. I've, I've done some research. Um, what I do for work too, uh, I'm kind of a spiritual transformation coach and kind of in the spiritual community, there, there's a tie in with, uh, with the, the UFO stuff. And so I kind of, I feel like I have a, um, an, un, uh, or a non-traditional view of the whole UFO topic in the mm. first place. So that, that, I don't know, that's kind of where I stand. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. No, and that's interesting because I guess, you know, leads into to my next question, and I, I think I know the answer, but I want to assume, are you open to this? Like if someone says to you, hey, you know, give me your opinion right now. Is this balloons, a smudge, aliens, whatever it might be, and you say, okay, definitively, if this, I know you can't do that, and you're not, you know, that's not really a position that you're in, and nobody should really do that because none of us are really sure what it is, but are you open to the idea of this being an otherworldly craft or otherworldly creatures, some, something not of this earth? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm always open to anything, and like you said, too, and I've been saying it, I don't have the information to, to make that definitive claim. I think it would be cool if it turns out to be something like that, because, you, you know, that who do you know, you know, can say that they actually seen something like this, you know, firsthand or, or just through a video like that, you know, and having, a, I guess, a bigger piece of that puzzle. But yeah, it's, know, it's just a cool concept. No. And, and it's such a unique shape, too. When you talk about, you know, the, the traditional sightings, so to speak, right? It's always the saucer shape or the cigar or the famous Tic Tac video from the Nimitz in, you know, 2004. And it, this one kind of goes with some other shapes that um, I've been I've been told about. Actually, just last week, I spoke to um, a man who goes by the pseudonym of Anthony Williams because he can't use his real name. He's still active. He's a special operations analyst. And he's given me some indications. We spoke last week about different shapes because we spoke about your story and we spoke about this you know jellyfish or spaghetti monster as as you and the guys called it and he said there's other weird stuff out there there's a skeleton key shape that he's analyzed before in different videos there's a a w shape that he's analyzed in other videos uh, um, a box in like a this transparent circle like there's some really weird reports that he's analyzed personally as a special operations analyst within uh, the Special Operations Command in the military. Have you heard of any of that stuff or as was just like a one-off for you with this, you know, jellyfish, so, so to speak? It was kind of a one-off. I didn't really pay too close attention to um, anything that anybody else was seeing. I, I do have, so after this happened, after I, I'd gotten out in 2019, um, it was maybe a few years later, uh, somebody I know captured something on on video over our, 
my hometown and it it was kind of a more traditional kind of sighting i guess you could say um and, and that's really my only experience with with, yeah. with any of it and then i've seen you know just clips here and there on online of people seeing other things but you, you know it's hard to tell what's real and what's not and especially with ai nowadays i feel that's very true where's your hometown by the way uh i live in pine river minnesota okay so different sightings in that area i know just well, there's sightings everywhere, really. When you start to dig into it, you kind of fall down the rabbit hole. But I wonder when it comes to you said you kind of like your first inclination was maybe this was a smudge or a stain on the camera. And obviously, you know, theories have evolved over time on what this jellyfish UFO may may have been or, or maybe when you talk about the smudge, because that is a theory that's been put out there by different you know, skeptics, so to speak. Is that something that wouldn't typically happen on the on that type of equipment? W would you guys come across smudges or stains or bird droppings as has been proposed? Is that something you guys had to deal with a lot? The so it's a big aerostat. So it it's a camera that's mounted on a the bottom of a big blimp. I don't know how a smudge would even get there in the first place. If it was a smudge in the lens, I don't even think the the sensor would pick it up. In my mind, when I came up with that theory, I thought maybe there was like a transparent housing to protect the camera because we had dust storms and, and stuff. Mm. So I thought, you know, maybe there might be might be an exterior housing that might have a smudge on it. But that also didn't fully make sense. And I had talked to one of the operators that operates that system after uh, hearing about it. And he told me that, you know, that's not a thing that I, I don't even think they have a housing. If I remember him correctly saying that. Um, I did hear that that system came down like right after that happened and it was serviced and, and cleaned. Um, I don't know if they found anything, any defects on that, on that platform at all, but it, it's not really known for things like that to happen, but I'm no expert. I, I've heard of other people who work with that system a lot more than I did say that, you know, they have lens artifacts like that all the time. Hmm. So if, you know, they're more, they're better or more credible source on that information cool they can take that but just from my perspective like i i don't see that being a thing it's interesting because you know one that that's obviously one of the things that was brought up along with balloons um and you know as far as the, the big one what do you make of that theory just kind of go down the list here what what did you make of the balloon theory is it something you considered your you know yourself even because there, there is actually a video going around of a drone operator i don't know if you've seen it or someone has showed it to you it's kind of gone viral it's this uh, a drone operator it's on TikTok, and he's watching the video and he's talking about how yeah we you know we see the things like this all the time this is this is definitely balloons and he sounds like you know, he's he's pretty sure about that being the case. What do you make of that type of theory? I mean, it could be. I've I've never seen balloons on any sort of sensor like that before. So I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't know what that looks like. To me, I would think it wouldn't be that static mm -hmm. of an image because it's it's seemingly unchanging. I think, you know, if you speed it up and slow it down, um, you can kind of see like a, a little bit of rotation, a little bit of movement, I guess. So, I mean, it could be. I think it's very plausible. I didn't think of the balloon theory until it was brought up to me just, you know, last week. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, it, I guess it's the, the leading theory of it being, you know, an, a logical explanation, I think. Is that something that would typically be seen, you know, from like a party or anything like that in that area of, of Iraq? Not that I know of. I mean, I'm sure they have balloons. I'm sure they have their, their party balloons. And um, especially that time of year, I, I think there's a huge celebration uh, where that, something like that, might be entirely possible 
as far as I know, there were no other sensors that picked up anything like that. And I would think the sensors that we had had would, you know, would be able to see it or track it or somebody would be able to see something on night vision because I was told that uh, a bunch of the Marines were tasked to go out and find it in night vision, but nobody saw anything. The only way that they were ever able to perceive it was just on that one sensor. And that's a little weird. And that's, you know, to that point, you talked about the night vision because it wasn't seen in night vision. That was something that uh, Jeremy Corbell brought up, I believe. And when they show the video and you see the thermal imaging, right, because apparently it was only seen on thermal, right? That's correct. It was never seen with the naked eye or or, or through night vision. Right. So when you're watching that through thermal, different people are talking about how this, the, the heat signature changes and it's going from dark to light. Now, when I was speaking to uh, the man I mentioned earlier, Anthony Williams, like I said, you know, he's dealt with videos like this before. And we're talking about those different things he's analyzed and he made a good point that I hadn't considered. I want to get your take on it where he said it it may not be that the actual object itself was changing its thermal signature, but it's what's happening in the background that would change the visibility of the object itself. So basically, it's kind of like the sensor saying, "Okay, we're going to change the colors for you. So it doesn't get lost. You can still watch it. Does is, does that make more sense than the actual jellyfish object itself changing its thermal, uh, you know, signature? Yeah, I, I think uh, if there is, because you can perceive reflections through thermal. So if it's like a shinier kind of object, like a balloon, uh, it could be reflecting or refracting some of that uh, thermal um, information from from the background. Um, and being that, you know, if it was something like that and, and just the way that the angles are, you know, the thermal information is, is bouncing off of it, um, it wouldn't be entirely consistent with the background because it'd be reflecting from different angles and, and things like that. So I, I don't know. It, it's very possible. And on hmm. top of that, too, I think um, and again, I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I think the, the sensor also either automatically adjusts or. Um, the operator can manually adjust kind of like the sensitivity of the input um, for the uh, the thermal um, kind of like a, adjusting like the contrast of a camera. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that that's also possible, but I'm not an expert on it. So again, I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's and that's a tough thing, right? It's trying to figure out. We try to piece this together and look at all the possibilities of what could make this thing what like what would this be and why would we be seeing it in that area and that was another thing that i find fascinating too is if this was indeed you know a uap it's is deemed a uap right because we don't know what it was um and it's under that classic uh, classification from the dod and from the military am i right about that uh that's what i've heard yeah okay so that's the case i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong here but i feel like if it was easily explainable as a smudge on the camera bird droppings balloons that it they would just say that right like why why draw this out i mean from a, you know a, a man in your position as as a veteran why would they draw this out why wouldn't they just say oh we've looked at this back in 2019 a year after we first saw this and it's it's balloons nothing to see here guys but they that hasn't happened yeah i don't uh I don't know. I think the Pentagon, their official statement is kind of the whole, you know, cannot confirm or deny type of thing. And so they just kind of label it as that just to keep it kind of ambiguous, which I don't know. 
<laughs> there might be a method to the madness or maybe they just don't want to deal with it. It's hard to say. <laughs> but, that, but that is, I mean, that's the part that I, I keep coming back to because I am, I, I am too. I'm, I'm open to all possibilities. You know, I'm not one guy. I, it's it's not my style to come on and say, this is what you have to believe. Like, this is it. You know, aliens are invading. It's happening. That's not my thing. My thing is I want to look at all the facts. I want to look at all the details and just, and talk about it and try to figure it out. So I'm absolutely open, like you, to the idea of maybe this was balloons, you know, for, for a holiday celebration or a birthday or whatever it might be. But I just, I, I can't help it, Michael. I keep coming back to this question of why don't they just say that? They've had this video for six years. And I... I don't know. I mean, have you ever come across a different situation, even outside of this, where it may have been an easy answer and, and the Department of Defense just doesn't talk about it? I mean, is that is that protocol, so to speak? Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't say I've had any experience with them trying to, you know, saying it's one thing just to avoid um, further explanation or trying to control the narrative. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. Hmm. um why they would just not you know call us balloons and, and that's it that that's that's beyond me maybe they have more information they just they don't want to disclose and they don't want to be caught in a lie because that i don't know maybe there's repercussions that come from something like that um especially with everything going on now uh in congress which I, i've kind of heard a few things but I, I haven't been following too closely so yeah i don't know well, maybe we'll find out more as time goes on. I'm curious to find out um, your point of view, what happened with the 17 minutes and I guess the differing what what's uh, Stephen Greenstreet said in through your initial interview. And you guys kind of had that back and forth on social media. You, you did the video with him and Mick West and others. Mm-hmm. What was your takeaway from that? Do you feel like that you were being misrepresented in a way that was malicious or that just all the facts weren't out there and there was just stuff that you know the wires were being crossed i don't think it was malicious um i just feel like that just with all the information that was, that was floating around i think it was hard to kind of get everything right in the beginning there uh it was nice to be able to talk more face to face on the on that uh on that other podcast and you know, i sat down you know was, mick west was there um a few other guys steven green street <laughs> They had mentioned something about ambushing me with him, but face to face, you know, talking, talking to him, it, it's fine. I, I just think, you know, when it comes to uh, when you talk to somebody face to face, it's a whole lot different than when you're hiding behind a keyboard. Right. You know? So I, I feel like it was a little bit of that. But I mean, I know everybody kind of has their agenda that, you know, on both sides of, of this uh, of this argument. And I'm not I've said it before. I'm not trying to confirm any biases or trying to promote anybody's agenda i'm just trying to you know bring this forward in an un, you know most unbiased way possible which it's it's tough it is tough i know i really commend you for trying to do that and just you know really coming out and raising your hand on it right i mean you didn't have to do that you didn't have to come out and say hey i was showing this video you know after it came out what kind of pushed you I, I, that that kind of question pops into my head what what pushed you to come out and say Maybe I should say something like, was it hard for you? How long did you think about it before you came out and said, yeah, I actually know about this. And I can give some details on it. <laughs> I was uh, I was just super excited to see the video again. I never thought I would I would see it. And then I seen it floating around and I was like, oh, like I can show my friends now because <laughs> I was telling them that story. 
but then uh that's when i heard a few of the claims that were um that that i wanted to kind of set straight because it's like well i don't remember seeing that so i was like well i just kind of want to say you know something you know just kind of clear the record i guess a little bit and then yeah it was kind of by accident where all the attention just kind of like fell upon me and then all these interviews i, I was just kind of like just a, some dude in a comment sections on a youtube video like oh hey i don't know i don't remember <laughs> that happening you know i was there <laughs> it just kind of evolved i guess it snowballed. Yeah. Right, <laughs> it's snowballed right yeah absolute uh, snowball effect and one of those things actually i want to ask you about was um you know as far as what's being said about the video and what you know about it personally what happened with this thing going into the water so that's something that has been mentioned as far as this being a transmedium object where it's going from you know air to sea um i know you've 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 had some differing viewpoints on that are we looking at a thing that actually did go into the water stiff as and, and not to put words in anybody's mouth but just quoting what jeremy corbell said about this in the first place where he said it was stiff going into the water are you on the same page as that or did this thing not go into the water as far as you know as far as i know from what i've seen i I didn't see it in any of the recordings that I had. So if I remember correctly, and again, you know, this is, I'm trying to remember back six years ago, you know, the, the full extent of the videos that I had, um, the two that are out right now, because there's that, um, I, I think one, one of the HUDs is green and one of them is, is yellow. Mm. And it, you know, shows like the, the bigger object moving from right to left. And then I think there's a second video out now where it's kind of going from left to right and it's a lot smaller, like more off in the distance. There was a third recording, if I remember correctly, that kind of shows it go out over the water and you can see where it is over the water. And it kind of goes out further and further and further. Hmm. And I think the video just cuts off because I don't remember. I never remember seeing the uh, it go into the water at all or like shooting up into the sky. Um, I don't know if it disappeared after a while, but just because you know somebody cut the video feed um when it got small enough and or, or cut the um the recording doesn't mean nothing you know didn't happen after that and the way that they were able to capture these recordings too there it's possible that they had you know other recordings out there that were longer that would have captured something like that but the ones that i had access to specifically i never saw anything like that and it makes me wonder because look i mean you know to be fair to his credit, Jeremy Corbell has done a lot of work in this area. He's a very yeah. reputable guy in this area. Um, someone with with a big voice and that's trying to kind of, you know, push the conversation forward towards disclosures and a lot of work with David Grush and people like that. So it's a guy who doesn't mess around, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. He's not not looking for clout. Right. I mean, he's he's beyond that. So for him to say that that footage exists makes me think and I want to get your opinion on it. Is there a different video? a different angle where it didn't get cut off, whatever it might be that you hadn't seen before that maybe exists in some other database that he was shown. I think that's very possible. Yeah. I think, um, whoever recorded the, uh, the videos that I had access to, I think that the objects got kind of got small enough. Nothing was really happening. So they probably just stopped recording on just that, you know, workstation that they were recording on, but there were other, you know, at least, 20 to 50 different workstations kind of in that space that, that had access to that feed. And each one of those could have been recording at the time just to, you know, and they could have stopped the recording like later on or before that. So I, I think it's entirely possible that there is more out there 
whether that's saved somewhere on that base where I, you know, I didn't, um, I never saw it or if it was confiscated, I heard that that might've been a thing too. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's very possible, but I'm not sure. What do you make of the different reports too? And this was something that, again, I find, I found really interesting. Um, not to keep bringing it up and over and over again, but it was really fascinating an interview last week when I spoke to uh, uh, Anthony Williams, who works with, you know, as an analyst, special operations analyst. I asked him, I said, are there videos that we can't see? And his answer was absolutely. <laughs> He's like, I can't go into classified videos as I'm sure, you know, you're in the same position. And he mentioned that there are other videos of UAP specifically over nuclear facilities and, you know, active war zones or battlegrounds. And according to him, it's, it's happened quite often in the past. Have you heard about any other scenarios like that, you know, during your, during your tour of duty, so to speak? I've only heard of things like that outside of the military. I didn't hear of anything um, in that realm while I was in uh, through any classified channels by any means. Um, and that's then that's saying that I, that I, you know, I didn't, that's not me saying that it was classified. I can't tell you, <laughs> but you know, not to say that there wasn't anything like that going on. It's just, yeah, I spoke to a man named uh, Bob Salas. Are you familiar with his story? Uh, no, I'm not. He worked at uh, the Mountstrom Air Force Base uh, back in the 60s. And there was a famous story out of there where basically these UFOs came over and shut down the facility. Um, they couldn't operate any of the nuclear weapons. And it was, you know, very scary because it's during the Cold War. And they were trying to figure out, you know, are we at war with Russia right now? Or are we being attacked? Um, and so it's stories like this. And that's why I find this so fascinating because this goes back. I mean, you're going back to the sixties, of course, back to Roswell in the forties. And if this is something where we're talking about, you know, a UAP, a craft from, you know, an, another worldly craft or whatever it may be, again, flying over, you know, a hot zone like Iraq, it just, it's kind of added to the list. You know what I mean? So it just, it, adds to the questions of what are we looking at here and why are they so interested? If, if this does fall in that category, why are they so interested in our capabilities, whether it's nuclear facilities or battles, you know, battlegrounds or war zones. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to make sense of it all, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I think I didn't, I do remember reading something like that about the, uh, the nuclear weapons being shut down by, um, some sort of crafts and, and stuff like that. And, and I will say this too. I, I don't know why something would fly over our base specifically. Um, when I was there, we're mostly just training the Iraqi security forces to kind of, you know, stand on their own leg when it comes to clearing out ISIS cells in the area and in, uh, and by province. So, why something like that would be collecting or, or, or flying over is beyond me. I mean, there, there, I guess there could have been something deeper going on that I wasn't aware of, but um, I just thought, you know, out of all places, like why that base, you know? Well, no, and, and it's a great question, right? You know, and do you feel like it's something that could be adversarial tech? I mean, just from your experience, you know, watching different videos and analyzing things, do you feel like it's something that, if it is a, you know, a static craft, so to speak, it's not balloons. It's something that was actually flying in the air. It's rigid. 
It had scales and things like that, right? Is that, could that be Russia? Could that be China, Iran, North Korea? I mean, is it something that they have the capability to send this over as a drone over, you know, and try to gather information from, from a U.S. base? I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I don't know of anything that would have the capability to do something like that without us being able to get some sort of other eyes on it other than just our thermal cameras. Um, so I would think, uh, I would think the, uh, the balloon or the, uh, the alien, uh, explanation would be more likely in this case, mm. personally, not to say that it, that's, it's impossible. I guess it could be, but I don't know. I guess there's, that's my perception of it. No. And that's, and that's fair. I think that's great. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, Michael. Um, and thank you again for making time to do this today. Really appreciate it. It's, it's fascinating to talk to you, to get your firsthand experience with all this and, you know, all the details that go into it. And again, kind of being thrust in the middle of it. So thanks for, be, for being a good sport for everybody. Because it's, it's not an easy conversation. You know, there's a lot of questions to it. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering, just kind of getting your, your take on the current uh, atmosphere when it comes to the UAP discussion. Are you, are you in the, you know, the mindset of, Let's get towards disclosure. Let's just give people, I think David Grush has referred to it as basic disclosure. You know, they're here, it's happening. We have recovered craft and biologics. Or is it, are you more along the lines of, you know, let's be careful what we say, or maybe is, is it a mix of both? Like what, what would you like to see come out of all this in the end? I, I think the U.S. government needs to be more open with its people. Definitely. So I, I think, you know, disclosure would be a, a very good thing. Um, as it sits right now, anybody that, that has anything to do with, you know, having a, you know, holding a clearance and it, it, you, you do have to watch what you have to say because you never know who's going to come after you. Hmm. And if, if that was not necessarily the case, I feel like the conversation would be a lot more productive. And I think that would be a good thing. And I think a lot of people are, you know, they just want you know, a confirmation to, you know, their beliefs when it comes to this sort of thing. I personally think, you know, like I mentioned before, I kind of have a, an unconventional take on UFOs and extraterrestrial life. So I think it's kind of, well, it's a good conversation to have because the government should be telling its people about things. But I also think that there are other explanations because we're dealing with things that are potentially not of this world. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, you know, frame these these conversations you know in our own terms and i think we we should have a more open mind i guess if that makes any sense no it does and uh well last last question because i always have something popping into my head congress you know you have uh, representatives uh luna and burchett and moskowitz you know among some others who talk about trying to put together another open hearing with congress kind of like what they did with the first time around with david grush and ryan graves um would you, if completely hypothetical, if they came to you and said, Michael, we want you to talk about your experience and give us your take on this phenomenon and go under oath in an open hearing. If that happened, if they asked you, would you be willing to do that? Or would you, were you trying to stay out of the fray? Uh, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to do it. Anything I can do to further the conversation in a produ productive way, I, I'm all about it. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, you know, hopefully we can stay in touch as, cause obviously this conversation is far from over. So as things continue to develop, we can stay in touch, maybe bring you back, uh, you know, more crazy things going on. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. 
Great. Michael Sinkowski, thanks so much for coming on here today, UAP Weekly. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. So again, really cool to have Michael. And you know, we'll keep in touch. Like I said there, we'll keep in touch in the future as I'm sure more things will come up. We've only just begun this year when it comes to the, all the happenings of UAP and UFO sightings and videos and reports and quite possibly open hearings and testimonials, more whistleblowers. It's. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really do believe this is going to be uh, an incredible year for UAP discovery and uh, discussion. Um, shout out to, to Jeremy Corbell. You know, that's somebody that I've really actually admired, um, you know, in this, I, I hate to say industry, but I guess, you know, within, you know, podcasting, talking about this subject, um, he's done an incredible job to push the narrative forward. And I really appreciate that. Like I know you do as well. I've had some of you reach out to me in social media saying that, you know, the only two podcasts you listen to are Jeremy Corbell and myself. And that is a huge, huge honor. So thank you for that. You know, just to, to be mentioned in the same sentence as someone like Jeremy is, is awesome for me personally. So hopefully I can continue um, to rise to that level for you because that's that's something I never expected. So thank you for that, uh, for those kind of words, for all of you who have reached out and, and said that to me. And who knows, maybe we'll even get to talk to Jeremy here on the show. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Myself and Jeremy Corbell just talking some aliens. So maybe that will come down the road. You never know. We'll definitely uh, see how that goes. And we'd love to talk to him and, of course, you know, guys like Christopher Mellon and Ross Colthard. It would be, I, I want to have those discussions for you here on the show because I think those would be really great discussions to have and to listen to and to ponder and kind of, you know, think about as they're taking place because there's just so much to discuss when it comes to this topic. So we're going to keep on trying to move this forward and myself personally going to try to keep on moving this forward as more news and more stories come out. And by the way, the traditional UAP don't forget, I, I haven't forgotten about the original UAP. I'm still working on uh, the new episode for that to start off 2024 as well. So just trying to juggle it all and put it all together as we go through what is uh, really an incredible time in history. And of course, before I go, just uh, remember you can continue to download the show wherever you get your podcast. Download, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Um, I know those are kind of like the big three where a lot of people are finding the show. And pass the word around, friends and family. Say, hey, check this out. If you like it, maybe they'll like it too. And let's get this conversation to a a bigger audience. You know, let's 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 make this a mainstream topic and cut out all the the stigma that's out there. It's it's kind of silly at this point. We should be able to talk about this without having to feel like someone's going to say we're crazy. So put it out there. Let's let's get this discussion more out in the open. And of course, anywhere on social media, at UA Podcast 850. Twitter is where I'm mainly at, but like I said, I'm trying to get more out there on YouTube and TikTok, Instagram, things like that. So if you'd like to follow along, at UA Podcast 850. And the email, if you'd like to email me directly, sdineruap, that's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. If you'd like to send me an email there on anything, I mean, anything that's on your mind from an episode, your own personal stories, whatever you'd like to put out there. I always uh, try to get back to everybody. It might take me a little bit longer than I like, but I always try to get back to everybody as soon as I can. But until next time, that'll do it for now here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. It's Stephen Diener saying so long. And as always, thank you very much. Keep your eyes and ears out for more UAP coming soon. And I'll talk to you soon right here. Thank you.